This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv slash careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment. I'm going to um, introduce our panel here today. I'm really excited to moderate this conversation. Um, and, uh, but before I do that, I think there were two things that struck a chord from what just happened. One is the call on telling your story before they do. So I think a big part of our conversation here is going to be about the folks who are real drivers and leaders and shapers of a movement really telling their story um, before anyone does, and also telling us about the different points in their lives where they had to tell and shape their story before anyone else did. Um, the second thing is what Phil and Peter mentioned, which is that we all have to meet in the middle. It's going to take everyone to actually make a difference here. So there are employers in the room, there are educators in the room, there are community organizers in the room. There are many, many, many people in the room um, wearing many different hats, and it's going to take everyone. So we're going to hear a little bit about that as we have this, this conversation. But, uh, but without further ado, I'm going to introduce the panel. So if I go all the way from, um, from the far side to the near, we've got uh, Susan Goss-Brown, who's the president of the Gap Foundation. Right, And in that role, Susan is responsible for their signature program called This Way Ahead for Opportunity Youth. We'll hear a little bit about that. Got Daniel Pareda, Danny, here, who's the sales associate at Old Navy. He's a participant in the This Way Ahead program from, uh, from the Gap Foundation, and he will be telling us about his story and sharing his personal journey here. Welcome, Danny. We've got... Audrey Williams-Lee, who's the SVP of Human Resources and Philanthropy at Hyatt, and in that role leads their community engagement and social impact efforts, including Rise High, which is the signature program for Opportunity Youth. Welcome, Audrey. And finally, but not least, Joe Davis, who's an operations manager at Hyatt Hotels. He's, he's been there for 10 years, started as a bellhop, has worked through some tough times, and is now in the role of operations manager at, uh, at Hyatt. Welcome, Joe. So I would actually like to start um, for everyone here, um, and maybe, Susan, we can start with you and, and go around. Um, can you tell us about your journey from roughly sort of the ages of 16 to 24? What was that like um, for you? What were you experiencing? What were you facing? What were you doing? Um, let's hear a little bit about that. Absolutely. Um, first of all, it's hard to get my life into that bracket of 16 to 24. I'm well beyond 24, but I'll do what I can. Um, first, I'll share with you that um, my parents were um, Southern Baptist, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, during Jim Crow and the Civil Rights mm. era. Uh, they moved the family to uh, Southern California in the 60s, where I grew up in a suburb just east of Los Angeles. Um, what I remember about my childhood and the community that I grew up in was um, it was very diverse, which was lovely. Uh, it was very family-oriented back then. Everyone kind of pitched in to help with the kids on the block. Um, 
Uh, but I also remember that we were all kind of on a level playing field and, and we lived a very humble life. We didn't have a lot. We didn't want for a lot. We didn't know what we were missing, I guess is how I would quantify it. Um, I realized as I kind of moved out of the community after school, et cetera, that um, there were things that we just didn't have access to. And, you know, again, we made the best of our life, but as I, as I learned, as I grew, um, as I grew that there, there were things definitely that we were missing. Um, and when I say we, I mean the community was missing. Um, I definitely, at points, once I moved out of the community, I started to realize uh, that there were moments where I didn't always feel like I belonged, uh, especially as I joined the workforce. Um, I realized what it's absolutely like to feel sometimes like the underdog, to have to fight for voice, to have to fight for space. Um, and I, I think that's, that's one of the main reasons I'm so driven and so passionate about bridging the power of the brands within Gap Inc. to the compassion of the programs that we run for women and youth and employees at Gap Inc. Um, I think about the opportunities that would have existed for many of, of my friends in the community that I grew up in that didn't have the chance to get out like I did, and programs like these would have been incredibly beneficial. So net-net, it was a good childhood. I had a ton of learnings. I wouldn't have traded it for the world, um, but I think that it's incredibly important that there are programs that are in place that help youth that may not have direction or may not have the influences or may not have the access to things um, to give them that access to help them find their path early on. Uh, yeah, and I think we'll, we'll get to some of that work um, that you're doing. But before that, we also have someone, Danny, here, who, who um, you did find your, your path um, through uh, one such program. But I, I'd like to know for you, what was that journey like as well? Was it smooth? Were there struggles? Um, what was it like? Yeah, you know, um, my life, for the most part, I've been very fortunate. You know, I come from, a, from an immigrant family. I came here to this country when, uh, when I was only six years of age back in 2004. And um, I hold a lot of love for Peru, the country that I was born in. But I've, been, I've known nothing else but this country now. I was raised here. You know, I feel, I feel very blessed, very fortunate, thanks to my father, thanks to my mother, who are actually right here with me right now, who um, as soon as they got here, they, they knew, they knew that, that their life was going to change, right? Like, it, it's not going to be how it was before. Um, they're going to they're gonna have to put their heads down and, and, and do the hard work. And eventually it all paid off because... My sister and I, we, we both got through high school. Right now, I'm currently um, pursuing my bachelor's at San Diego State. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, struggles, though. Struggles do come in all shapes and forms, right? For my family, it had to do with, uh, you know, marital issues and um, immigration issues, right? These are some of the chains that have, that have brought me down in life, but they've never... They never derailed our family. My family kept on going. And, and that's why I say I've been very fortunate in life because it's all just been a, 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 very, big, uh, a very big blessing, a very big blessing, you know. Um, I found, you know, this way ahead, and now I'm trying to pursue, trying to branch out, right? That's, that's what, every, that's what every, um, every kid wants, right? Every immigrant kid wants is to kind of just branch out and, and, and show that appreciation for, the parent, for my parents and what they did for me and try to find my own path in life right now. So that's what I'm trying to do. Um, thank you for sharing that, Danny. Can you, um, 
Can you maybe speak to, in, in the moments of struggle, things were not maybe going so smoothly, what, are, what, are, what were some sources of inspiration, right? You know, we heard the phrase of sort of, you know, perform through the pain. I think it was one of the, the phrases in, in, the, in the movement B, um, uh, perform. Can you, can you talk to that a little bit? Uh, definitely. Um, my rock and my constant has always been my faith in God, you know? Uh, my, my mother, from a young age, I remember back when I was 12 years old, she would kind of force me. Because at that age, I, want, I wanted nothing to do with church, you know, especially at 7 a.m., 6 a.m. in the morning. Like, what are we doing? Um, you know, but she, 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 she was that inspiration that kind of bridged us to, 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 show, to show faith, faith mm-hmm. in God and, you know, put your trust in Him and th- the good things will happen for you. Just be a good human being, be a good person, yeah. you know. Um, thank you again. Mom and Dad are here. I think they're here somewhere. So appreciation to you. And, and, and um, uh, Danny, you mentioned This Way Ahead. Uh, Susan, could you tell us a little bit about This Way Ahead and what This Way Ahead is all about? Absolutely. Um, so at Gap Inc., we estimate that we've given over a million people their first job, and we're really proud of that. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the... The thing about it, truthfully, though, is we still have opportunity, right? First of all, Gap still has a ton of jobs that we have to fill on a regular basis. And as we've learned today, we still have a lot of young people in communities that don't have access to jobs. So This Way Ahead was actually established in 2007 to bring those two things together, to create opportunities for youth in the communities and get them their first job, which is helping, you know, to help people kind of find their way in life. Um, It started off very small. It's grown over years. Um, Over the years, we've got about 5,700 youth that have completed the program today, and we're on a trajectory to get to about 10,000 youth impacted by this program by 2025. So we're really proud of the program. Um, We're continuing to learn every day. I learned some things last night at dinner with Daniel about the program. Um, But we really do see this program as a way in and a way up for young people. All they really need to do is bring their passion, really bring the potential, and, and we create the opportunity. I think it's a, it's a great example of trying to do something on purpose, right? So as an institution, what are you trying to do on purpose rather than just as a byproduct and sitting back and just looking at this problem? So Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it, it takes effort, right? Yeah. It's not easy. It takes planning. There's, there's a whole team behind putting together a program. There's a lot of partnership with nonprofits. But I think what is most important is we have a responsibility as business to, to, to act, to get in the game and to play, to do something to make a difference. The, the numbers we heard this morning at the beginning of the day are unacceptable to me. And it, it is, it's not enough to rely on government. It's not enough to rely just on nonprofits. Business has to play. And we have to play in a way that's responsible to have impact. So, switch up. Audrey, can you, um, can you maybe tell us a little bit about your personal um, journey as well, similar to Susan and Danny? Sure, I'm happy to do so. Very happy to be here. Um, so I grew up in a family with a single mom. My parents divorced when I was about seven. And after that, we had no contact with my father's side of the family. And so there are five of us. I'm the oldest. I have three sisters and a brother. And my mom, you know, luckily comes from a huge, very 
boisterous and loving family. So she's one of eight. And so as a result, between my uncles and aunts and cousins, we always felt we had a lot of support. Mm. When I think about between the ages of 16 and 24, you're a teenager, so there are a lot of things that are happening. Um, but I was the fir- I'm the oldest grandchild on my mom's side of the family, and I was the first one to go to college. And my mother, from a very young age, always stressed that education would be the way and the key to actually improving your circumstance and situation and being able to go and explore and learn and do different things. And so that was always on my mind. There was never any doubt that I would go to college. I was about 16 when I found out college costs money. <laughs> because no one ever got so we didn't have that. And so I'm like, well, Mom, we have no money. How are we going to pay? Oh, you'll get scholarships. Don't worry about it. Um, I was fortunate enough to do really well in school. Um, and so I was able to get a scholarship. I went to Northwestern University outside of Chicago. Um, and going to a world, my neighborhood I grew up in was mostly black and Puerto Rican. And so I go to a campus that's primarily white and very, very rich. There were kids on campus driving cars when I was in school I still can't afford. And it was just a very different environment. And so I found for me, from about 18 to 22, was just sort of figuring out and trying to figure out my voice, figure out how to fit in. Um, I came from a high school where I did well in, but it did not prepare me in the way that my classmates at Northwestern had been prepared in their high schools. So there was a lot of going from a very confident way of defining myself when I was at my high school and in my neighborhood to really how do I redefine myself in this broader world and figure out what that path is. Um, I was lucky enough to have people who helped me, and my biggest thing I had to do is learn how to ask for help. Mm. I was very used to figuring things out for myself. There was a lot of dependence, I think, from my family for me to help with things, and I was very accustomed to that. So I really had to shift that uh, when I was in school. And then lastly, I majored in engineering because I'd done well in math and science. And my favorite mentor and teacher in high school, my biology teacher, said, we need more women engineers. Mm. So I went and did that, found that I loved science, but I did not love engineering. But I also could not afford to get changed majors. I had to graduate within four years. And so I got the degree, but really um, decided to try to find something else that I could do. And I was lucky enough to have internships that exposed me to different things. Um, And I serendipitously ended up working in human resources, which I love. And I found Dr. Patrick, who spoke earlier, he's a science nerd. I love science, but I found I was more of a people nerd. Um, And so this has turned out to be a really good career for me. Yeah. Well, um, terrific. Joe, can you tell us a little bit about your, your journey? Was it smooth? Well, uh, I'm, I was a ward of the state when I was seven years old. And mm-hmm. from the age of seven up until 18, I was in and out of group homes. Um, the one thing that I found that worked out for me was that, uh, you have to forgive me, I'm a little nervous. Um, That's okay. I've had this conversation before with folks, but generally in a smaller setting, so. Uh, <laughs> it's just us on stage. Yeah, it's, it's just us on group. stage, yeah, a big light, and monitor, the whole bit. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, when you get out of group homes, the first thing you have to focus on is what's the next step? Um, programs like this weren't around. Um, I barely got out of high school because education, when you're going through foster homes and group homes, it's not the high point of your, your life. It's, it's something that's there, but it's also a part of the therapy and everything else that you're going through. So when I got out of, uh, out of the group homes, I immediately realized that you have to go to work. Um, without an education, without a degree, I sort of relied on my personality. You mm. know? And you find yourself in situations where 
you you use your ability to to relate to to use humor to uh, to be personable to succeed and then once you get the opportunity then you grow with that opportunity um, I was always lucky enough to be able to partner up with someone who could see the potential in me and then I could see in them the things that I was missing as a kid growing up so you're always trying to find that mentor you're always trying to find that father or that mother um, and, it, and it comes in the weirdest ways you know you you uh, you you cling to things that uh, a lot of folks would think are just not that important. This person, I, they don't have anything to share, but they do. Um, so for me, the work world started at 18. Um, I started out pulling cable for a fiber optic company and stayed hungry and learned other uh, aspects of technology. And then from there, I uh, I grew. I went into uh, information technology. I started learning about routers. Uh, as, as things developed for me, as, as, I, as I grew older, I, had a, I was a father at a young age. You know, mm. When I was 20, I had my son. Uh, he's now 26. So, you know, then I started dabbling into drugs and everything else. And, and then life started to hit me with a curve. You know, you're trying to adjust and, and figure out what your next moves are going to be, but you're dealing in stuff that you're, you're totally distracted from the reality of what's going on. And so you're just floundering and I did that for quite a bit of time um, but during that time I always had a, a strong work ethic and that was just out of necessity you know sometimes life hits you in a certain way that you just have to deal with the situation at hand uh, get focused as best as you can and, and just power through because uh, one of the overriding things I've always believed in is that you have you're going to wake up tomorrow and if you do what are you going to do with it right mm -hmm. you can't just sit on a stump. You have to do something with your life. And so that was the drive that just, just keeps me going. It keeps me going. And then as you start chipping away at, at, at these small successes, you can think to your, you start thinking that, okay, the next obstacle can't be as bad as the one that I dealt with six months or a year ago. And so you just achieve and you keep moving forward. And that's the thing, you know, you just, you just keep moving forward. Uh, you, you stay hungry, but you stay humble. Um, what you lack in education, you make up with attitude. You make up with perseverance. You make up with personality. Um, and then eventually things work out your way. I mean, but it's, it's not easy. Um, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've, I've broken a lot of promises. I've, you know, I've missed out on a lot of opportunities with my kid. Um, I traveled from the East Coast to the West Coast, uh, basically on a drug binge. So, you know, you get out here and you're just like, okay, what are you going to do next? So, you know, you, you, I was able, I was fortunate enough uh, with uh, Hyatt, that, um, and it's fun of an interesting story. Just when you think things are going to get, you know, they're bad and you're, 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 you're figuring out that what's the next move I'm going to make, you know, you read an article in the paper and it says job fair. So in my mind, in my 30-some years of living, I thought job fair is going to be a bunch of vendors, and I'm just going to walk in there, and I'm just going to put in the effort and see what happens. But it, actually, it was just a job fair for Hyatt. And uh, I showed up in a polo and some jeans, and, and again, I used that personality, you know, that hunger, um, that, that, uh, that wit. And someone, another mentor, saw in me what, you know, that this guy, he deserves a chance. 
And then you grasp onto that opportunity and you run with it. And that's the big thing. When you're given an opportunity, it really doesn't matter so much about your past. Is what do you do with that opportunity? Do you take it and just say, oh, okay, here's something that I can just talk about later? Or do you grow? And you'll be surprised that even without a college degree, if you come in at the bottom level and you don't think of it as that this is my stopping point, and you start looking around at the other opportunities that are there and you start pursuing it, and you, and you surround yourself with the people who are able to, to mentor you in, in, in pursuit of your future, you look back at it some 46 years later and you're like, wow, I did this. You know? And no one can take from you what you've done for yourself. No one can, no one can look at your experience and say, ah, you, know, you got lucky. It's only you. You're the only one who can look back on your past and say, oh, I got here with luck. And then what you do is you undermine all of the efforts that you put into it. So if I was to say anything to, to youth of today, it would be when the opportunity is there, it's not there just by coincidence. You're not in a place and time just because it just happened to work out. You're there for a reason. Do something with it, and it'll work out for you, you know? Can I build on that? So um, tell me, what was that first job at Hyatt? You said there was a job fair. You went there, there was someone from Hyatt. What was that first job? And then what was the next job after that? What was maybe the third job? After? I'd love to hear that. So my first position at the Hyatt was actually at the front desk. Um, keep in mind, when I started there, I was still dealing with my own demons. So I really wasn't focused, but I was, but I was there. You put yourself in a position and you put yourself there. So I started at the front desk. We were doing some transitioning, and that didn't work out for me. But again, that same mentor looked at me and said, no, Joe, we're not going to let you go. Mm-hmm. What you applied for, obviously, you're not ready for at this point. But we think with your personality, you would work good as a bellman. I'm like, ah, I don't want to be a bellman. You know, I would have applied for a bellman. I want to work the front desk. I want to be the face of the hotel. And said, so, well, this is going to be your face of the hotel. Get that bell cart and push the luggage. So I did that. And I found myself, I found that job to be suiting to who I am and my personality. And once I figured that out, it's like having a college degree. Because with a degree, you're sort of telling yourself, I am good at this, right? I want to do this. So I look at my experience, I look at the opportunity, and I said, I want to do this. I want to be a bellman. I'm going to be great. I'm going to be the best bellman there is. And I've got an employee of the month. I got an employee of the quarter the whole time during that two-year span. And then the opportunity came available to work at the concierge desk. Again, something a little outside of my comfort zone, but once you start talking to people about the hotel and the area as a bellman, it sort of lends itself where to concierge, well to concierge desk. Then I transferred to the concierge desk. In between that, I used my experience to help around the hotel from past experience. I told you I did cabling, so I'm helping in engineering and, and thus. Then the opportunity came to work in the marina, and this is funny because the one guy that I always thought was my friend, I went up to him and he was the marina manager at the time, and I said, hey, you think, uh, you think I can transfer over to the marina? And I still remember this till today. He said, you know what, Joe, you wouldn't work out down here. The tenants, they'll eat you alive. I'm like, hmm, that's, that's kind of strange and brutal. Um, but that gentleman actually left, and then once he left, I still, you know, kept, you keep swimming around in that area. You know, you, you want something, you're already in, your foot's already in the door, go after it. He left, I went down and I applied again, and he said, yeah, we need someone to go down and clean the docks. Hey, I want to be in the marina, so if cleaning the docks is what I got to do, start at the bottom, work your way up. 
And that's what I did. And uh, five years later, I'm now Marina Operations Manager. And not just the Marina, but our fuel dock, our commercial mm-hmm. dock. And it just, it just flourishes. Yeah. It just flourishes. And it's, and it's amazing that, again, if you allow someone to tell you and dictate terms of your existence, you will not succeed. You have to take control of that. You look back on what you've accomplished and you hold on to that because that's the thing that's going to move you to the next level. Yep. You know, you sit around a lot of people with education and I don't to me. I think that everyone has their own path. But just because you don't have a degree doesn't mean that you can't do what they're doing or even do something else. Just look at it and say, okay, I can do this and I can do this. And just yep. keep moving. Never give up. Stay humble and stay hungry. And that's... Yep. That's it. And something you mentioned in that, um, just all those powerful sub-stories, right, of your your life, Joe, was this uh, role of this this mentor who could, at some time, who could have let you go, who could have said, it's not going to work out, right, we tried, but said no, right? Didn't work out here, but I think it's going to work out here, right? And, and sort of that, that supports it. Danny, I want to come to you. And if, if you could tell me about um, either the role of a mentor or someone else, right, in, in, in hearing your journey, right, at, uh, at, at Old Navy. Yeah, definitely. Um, so through the This Way Ahead program, I met my mentor. His name is Cesar Marquez. And he also happens to be my, uh, my current manager at Old Navy. He, uh, I first met him when he, when he took us on a tour of all the different stores, um, Old Navy, uh, Gap, Banana Republic, and he laid it out straight for me on the first day. He said, look, uh, this is a company where you, can, where you can experience growth, okay? And that was what s- stood out for me, right? Because I don't want to be a, a sales associate for, you know, find myself being a sales associate for five, six years. I want to keep on moving up in life. And he told me that that's possible through, through Gap Inc. and whatnot, you know? He gives me uh, positive feedback, but he also gives me constructive criticism, which is, which is the, the other side of the coin, you know? I don't want to just hear that I'm doing good all the time. I want to hear what, what I have to improve on. And that's something that he, he narrows down to me all the time, you know? He, he's a great guy. He's uh, not that much older than me, so, you know, that's kind of motivating as well, too to be able to know that um, at any time, if I put the hard work and dedication, I can move up within this company. So that's great. And what would you say, uh, Danny, to, um, to managers that are, uh, that are in the room here, right? What, what, what for you, makes a, makes a good manager, right? A, a young associate who's starting either as a sales associate or something else. What, what would you want them to, to do or, or how would you want them to be? I think it's important to understand that every employee that you employ comes from a different, different background, different setting, different way of thinking. Perhaps it's best if uh, maybe you, um, you take a step back and analyze what are the strengths, what are the strengths of uh, the employee that I have right now, you know? Is he, uh, is he talkative? Is he, is he a little more reserved, a little more shy? Maybe I should put him... Uh, you know, uh, running go bags or in the fitting room. Like, just, just play to... You're a, you're, you're a general, right? Just play to your soldier's strengths, you know? And I think, uh, I think, I think that would be um, my best advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in hearing that... Um, Audrey, I'll come to you first, um, and then Susan. 
is that either sparking something for you or something that you were doing institutionally at Hyatt and, uh, and at, at, at Gap about the role of the manager and what that, what that, what that has to be for, for this to work, right? To be able to, A, provide opportunity and then to make sure that there is the support and the mentorship and the growth that everyone in the organization feels, especially those from different backgrounds. Absolutely. So as an organization overall at Hyatt, our purpose is to care for people so they can be their best. And it's a huge part of our culture. It applies to our colleagues, um, to our communities, to our guests. And we have an initiative called Rise High, which is aimed at bringing opportunity youth into entry-level roles in our hotels because hospitality... um, like retail is one of those industries where you can come in at the very bottom, you can come in with no experience, and if you're willing to work hard and you're willing to persevere, um, that there are opportunities for you to move forward. What we have found from a leadership standpoint, it's really important that we train our managers, one, in general, how to manage, so to be good people managers, but specifically with Rise High, just to understand that standing in different circumstances and backgrounds people are coming from, and how to work best with opportunity youth, um, how to help mentor, how to help guide. So we're doing a lot of work in that area right now. And one of the things, Audrey, I'm going to build on uh, Rise High is I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the use of technology mm-hmm. in that. And I say that because we're living in a world today where you hear some of the headlines, right? Is technology going to give us a jobless future, right? <laughs> is technology going to automate and replace everything? And I was really struck by, actually, that's a choice we have, mm-hmm. right? This is a choice we have as a society as to what do we want to use technology for? Do we want it to replace people or do we want it to actually help people? It's not predetermined. So I'd love right. for you to talk about how you're actually using technology and rise high and what the purpose of that is. We definitely don't see technologies as replacing people. I mean, we're a people business. Um, But we see technology really as being an enabler. And with respect to rise high, we're using it on the front end to, one, help us identify talent um, that could be a really good fit for our organization. So we work with nonprofits and other community-based organizations who will do training and job readiness and other kind of soft skills to help um, young people get ready for jobs, but we're also looking for certain attributes and traits that we know go well if you're working in a hotel. So we're working with an organization called Pymetrics. They have a game-based assessments. It's in 15 languages. We, we're um, expanding globally. And it's really helping to understand what are you really good at. And so we have our partners have access to this tool and you can have young adults take it, and it might say, oh, you'd be very great in hospitality, or you'd be very great in logistics. But it's really around how do you help people understand a bit more about themselves and where their natural inclinations are. Um, we've also worked to create a virtual reality simulation where candidates can get a view of what it's like to work in a hotel. I know growing up, we never stayed in hotels. We visited cousins and long car rides and slept on pallets on the floor when you get to where you were going. Um, so there was none of this you know, understanding what a hotel is like, and it can be pretty intimidating. Um, some of our properties are huge. Um, they're very high end, and so coming into that can be um, a little bit scary at times, but then also even understanding what does a bell attendant do? You know, what do, what do you do if you're working in culinary, working a front desk? So with our simulation, we can have um, young adults who are interested go and just get a view and understanding what these roles are, what to expect on the, when you go into a hotel, and what kind of work um, that you may be doing. So those are a couple of things that we're doing to really um, be able um, to help young people understand more as to whether they are a fit for hospitality or have interest in hospitality. 
I think that's great. I, I'd love to play the game and, uh, and figure out what, what I should be doing um, uh, in, uh, uh, in life. But also, I think it's really something you touched on is this notion of um, how do we give people the ability to experience and to discover what they could be good at in a very real way? Because that's something that I would say our, our, education, our traditional education system is not designed for, right? So it's more about what courses you'll take versus what problems do you want to solve, right? And, and being be able to give people real experiences where they can discover that and, and, and figure out what, um, what, they want to, what they're passionate about, what they want to use their, their skills and talents to be able to solve it. I, I think that's great. Susan, could you talk about maybe the, the role of managers at, at, at Gap? And also, I'd love to maybe build on, either this way ahead, you're trying to do this at scale, right? tens of thousands, right, of, of people, if not more. And so in addition to managers, what are the real challenges that you're facing um, both in, in doing this work and in, in being able to actually scale it? Yep. First of all, I want to hear more about that, what you talked about, because I think it's fascinating. Um, I agree that strengths management, and Danny, you touched on that as well, is, is key to unlocking potential for people. Um, so I think for managers, so first of all, I, I, I was one, right? I, my, my 20 years with, 20 plus years actually with this organization, I didn't start in foundation. I've only been in foundation for about 12 weeks now. I started in stores as a manager and worked my way through almost every one of the positions. And in, in those years, what I, I think is, first, I've always been passionate about people and I think what is is one of the biggest gifts we can give our people is helping them understand how to create the right conditions so that their teams can be successful, right? It is about giving them permission to prioritize people first. Managers are dealing with a ton of competing priorities on a day-to-day basis. It's helping them understand, helping you all understand that you can put down the task list to have a conversation with someone, to find out what's going on in their life, to listen, and to help them be seen. I think that creates a feeling and a sense of belonging, which is incredibly important. I think it creates a a sense of knowing who you can go to when you have a problem, and it builds trust. And I think trust between an employer and and an associate is incredibly important if you're going to not only be productive in your job, but help someone continue to find their path forward. So um, this way ahead, I think we're doing a good job in that. Um, we're, We're learning that the um, the interns that actually end up working for us after the after the internship program, like Danny, those that come to work with us are staying two times longer actually than their peer group. So there there is something about the program that they've been through and the trust that's been cultivated through that program that's that's encouraging them to stay longer. I think um, so. Continuing that work, helping leaders prioritize, helping leaders put down the menial task to prioritize what's right in front of them, which is most important, and that's people. I think where um, you talked about scale, and we have a lot of stores at Gap Inc. between all of our brands, and I think what is probably most important is, um, you touched on this a little bit, Audrey, is how do you, there are training programs that we can take our managers through that help them understand how to create place, right? Unconscious bias, understanding what the what what interns are bringing into the program and not just interns, even just our associates. I think making sure that 
at scale, you get people through some of those fundamental programs that kind of set the baseline. Um, and then just, I, I would say, encouraging leaders um, to, to kind of spin off of what the program stands for, um, riff on that to continue to try to reach as many people as possible. We have, we have interns across 300 stores right now at Gap Inc. We're in about 52 cities and um, we're in the UK, the US, Canada, and Japan. I just learned actually about Japan. That's new. So, so we are scaling the program and we're scaling it through an interest of our teams to be involved, an interest in our teams to want to make a difference beyond just selling clothes, which happens to be a value for Gap Inc., um, and, and getting, them, getting them connected to the nonprofit to support the job training that's happening in the nonprofit to cultivate those relationships before interns even, before they even actually enter the store to begin the program and or to work. So... Can I add something about scale? Um, as, um, as Susan uh, is speaking, um, we are we're launching Rise High globally. We started it last year with a pilot. And one of the things that we find um, about scale is we have to make sure we have the right infrastructure in place um, and development and training to help our hotels be successful. We have identified hotels that are interested, but because of issues like location and transportation, it, that won't work. Um, we're making sure that the nonprofit partners that we work with can offer mentoring services through transition period because when we we hire an opportunity youth if you've not worked before and these are all new people and everything's very foreign. Uh, we have a mentoring um, program we're launching, but we find that both internal and external mentoring, particularly in the first six to 12 months, is really, really important. So when we think about scale, we're spending a lot of time just understanding what works and what's needed to increase the likelihood um, that these individuals would be able to not only join us, but actually stay with Hyde and grow their careers. Yeah, that um, and both of you touched on this, which I'll, I'll we have to start closing um, here. Where is the time gone? Um, I feel like we talk forever. The, but one of the points that you both are, are making in terms of scale is the role of everyone in the system, right? The role of the community partners, the role of educators, and the role of these partnerships, because no one actor can do it alone. No one individual um, can, uh, can, can do it alone. And I hope the, this forum, forums like this, and can actually seed more and more of that and, and those, those types of partnerships. And f- I'd like to give the final word to Joe and Danny. Um, do each of you very quickly have a, either a piece of advice or a call to action um, for those in the, in, the, in the audience today? Joe, maybe we'll start with you. Well, I have two. One, for companies to just, you know, you got to think out of the box if you're going to go down this endeavor. Um, The normal situation of uh, an employee or an applicant coming to your property or coming to your operation and wanting a job and filling out an application, we see that that's, we're missing out on great talent with that process. So now we're trying to go out and we want to go to where they are. We want to go to the schools. Utilize the people in your corporation that have a diverse background, that have maybe some hills that they've had to climb. Because those folks, when they go to the schools, they're going to be able to relate. Or they go to the youth piece, they're going to be able to relate to the people that they're talking to. And I'm not saying that everyone can't be relatable, but there's just certain things, you know, that you can just, you can, you can pick up on when you're talking to someone. Um, and then just as a personal note, again, you know, life isn't easy. 
You know, it, it isn't easy. Um, you can't, you, you have to accept the mistakes that you make, um, but know that any achievement that you make, it's your achievement. You did this. And that is what will, that's what will carry you through when you start with self-doubt. Mm. Because all you have to do is look back on, hey, I did this without, you know, without, you know, messing over someone. I did this the right way and look at where I am now. Yeah. And if you use that and you stay humble and you stay hungry, you know, you know you're going to come at the bottom level. That's fine. Because guess what? People move out and you move up, yeah. you know, and if you're smart, you can move up faster than you ever believed you could. And that's, that's been my story. Yeah. I'm 46 years or 47. Or maybe I feel like I'm 40. Maybe I want to be 38 again. Um, but it's your story. It's my story, yeah. you know, and you, you just got to be, a, you just stay, stay, stay focused, yeah. believe in your achievements, use that to move to the next level. I think that's great. You'll do it. Danny? Yes. Um, my final words, my final message uh, is directly to the youth out here, you know, from one youth to the youth, right? Um, there's a lot of divisiveness out in this world right now, you guys, uh, you know, a lot of separation, a lot of a lot of people thinking a certain type of way, and you know, if it doesn't fit my narrative, then then it's wrong or whatever the case may be. You know, like we, we us as youth, we have to we have to stick together, and we have to we can't. I'm not asking you to forget about your past. You know, you can't you can't forget about your past, but we have to be thinking in the now. We have to be thinking towards the future right now. Uh, especially with everything going on, you know. Um, seek, I, I know in high school, I just I graduated high school about four years ago, but um, all throughout my high school, I didn't learn about any of the, the requirements it takes to be a good employee, you know. We, 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 they don't teach us any of that stuff out there. So, so if anything, just, you know, seek programs like This Way Ahead and, and High Rise so that you can better prepare yourself for, for what's to come because it's going to come. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, life can be tough sometimes, so just... Just um, just put your head down and work hard and do what you have to do and you know you'll be a good person and you'll get you'll get what's coming for you. So, no wiser words. And uh, thank you, everyone.